Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Good day to all of you. I hope you're having a fabulous day. We are continuing on today and our study of the Gospel of Mark. Today we'll be tackling chapter 4, verse 1 through 34, and we'll dive in right after this. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with Viking Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. All right, already I'm going to tell you right off the bat that this is my second run at the recording for today. I did one of those things I've only probably done once before, and that is I failed to push record. And so I've already been about halfway through this today, and I'm just trusting that God is going to bless me as I need the energy to do it again as towards the end of the day where I'm recording. But I hope that you're having a fabulous day. I'm looking out my window and I'm seeing this beautiful view of creation. And I am just blown away by the common grace that God gives to me and to you I trust each and every day. I hope that you're being blessed with our study today as we pick up. Don't forget to go over to rachelcarmen.com and pick up your study guide. Again, we're in chapter 4, verse 1 through 34, so that's not quite the whole chapter, uh, the whole of this chapter. We're going to tack on the end of chapter 4 to chapter 5, which we will tackle next time. So we're trying to focus in, in our study of Mark, on the fact that what we get here in this gospel is Jesus on the move. We get a picture of the action-oriented servant of God, who is the Son of God, the person of Jesus Christ. And so we see him doing, going, saying, teaching, 
healing, all of these different things we see him doing. And I believe that part of the point of that is that if we are going to follow Jesus, we too need to be people of action. However, here's my caveat. It's easy for us as we pursue following hard after God and being people of action and doing what he's asked us to do. It's really easy, though, for us to fall over into being busy. And I don't think that that's what we see as we study the life of Christ. Yes, he was active. Yes, he was engaged. Yes, he was on the move. But he didn't have that overwhelm that far too many of us, including myself from time to time, can really get bogged down by. I do not believe that that is what we're called to. I really believe what we see in Scripture is Jesus present with who he's with, listening to them engaged with them, seeing them. And I think when we fail to do those things, when we are more concerned about checking in on where we're not, right? When we're not really seeing people or listening to people, we're thinking about the next thing or the last thing, right? I don't think we're actually being good Christ followers. So let's think about those things This idea of him being action-oriented, this idea of him being on the move, and see how we might take his example and perhaps realize that there might be some things we need to step away from so that we can actually be engaged and hear and listen and see those that we're with. So remember also that as we're looking at the study of the book of Mark, we are actually hearing Peter's voice as Mark's writing this down. We have immediately about 42 times, but again, even though there's an immediacy about what God, what Jesus is doing in his ministry here, there is not this overwhelming busyness about Jesus' ministry. Over and over, we see focal points, and we're going to see those as we continue on. So since we're looking at the actions of Jesus, I've listed out the verbs for every passage. And without repeating the ones, I'm just going to go through the verbs that are associated with Jesus in chapter 4. So he began, he taught, he got into the boat, he sat, he taught, he said, he was saying, he was asking, he was speaking, and he was explaining. So again, and I'm especially thinking of you moms out there, so many of these things apply to our everyday. You know, we teach our kids, we sit down with our kids, we're saying things to our children, we're asking things of them, and we're explaining a lot of things over and over and over. And I know you know that's true. And so that's what we see the Lord Christ doing in this passage today. Now, as we start, it says that he began to teach them By the sea, such a very large crowd had gathered to him that he got into a boat and the crowd gathered on the seashore. Now, many scholars believe that this was brilliance on the part of the Lord Christ because the sea right there, the water would help his voice to carry to the masses. And while, okay, okay, I kind of happen to believe that this was Jesus Christ speaking And I am fairly confident that it was made possible, possibly supernaturally, that whoever came to hear him was able to hear his voice. That's just my perspective, even though I can't appreciate that his voice would have carried farther. 
So he says here, if we pick up in verse 3, he says a phrase at the very beginning here that I think is really pivotal and really important. And Jesus says this. Listen. Now, I I get that's kind of super simple, right? But this is another one of those phrases, those single words in Scripture that I think we rush over and we want to get to the meat of what he's going to say, right? We get right to the parable. But I got to tell you, I think we need to kind of sit here in this admonition from Christ. Here's Jesus in a boat, a crowd's gathered. There's great anticipation in the air. What is he going to say? They're already listening. They're already paying attention. This is why they came, was to hear what he had to say. And yet, before he starts teaching them, he admonishes them to listen. And I just want to suggest that he knew that they came to hear, but he wanted them to listen. In other words, I really believe he's saying, I want you to dial in. I want you to pay attention. Look at me. Now, if you're a mom or a dad, you know what it's like to have a child and you need to tell them something that you need them to do, right? And sometimes you'll say, I need you to listen to me. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm listening to you. But as a parent, you know when they are and when they're not, right? You, you, you can tell. I can remember my kids just were trying to convince me that they were paying attention to me and I knew they weren't. They were distracted. Maybe we were in a crowd. Maybe we were in the car, right? Maybe they were thinking about the birthday party. Maybe, I don't know, a thousand different reasons, but I could tell that I needed them to listen and, and they weren't. I'm wondering, this isn't the first crowd that's gathered around Christ, and I'm wondering if he's wanting to just make sure that they actually get what they came for, right? And so he begins by saying, listen. Listen, and watch for it. He repeats the same message down in verse 24, which we're going to get to. But here's the deal. This is the son of the Godhead. When we get to chapter 9, we're going to be talking about the transfiguration. And at the transfiguration is one of two times when Jesus was on earth that the Father's voice was heard from heaven. So I'm not going to tell you what the Father's voice said at either one of those occasions. You can pick that up as homework and go see what those two things were. But it was related to Jesus' admonition here in the beginning, listen. So it's probably familiar to many of you. He goes on to tell the parable of the sower. And I really want to encourage you to take time to read this. Try to read it with new eyes and a fresh perspective. Perhaps you use a different translation than you normally study to read this passage about the sower. But I just want us to take just a few minutes, no matter how familiar it is, to just review this passage on the sower. So a couple of things that I see off the bat is the sower has basically two jobs. To get good seed and to sow it faithfully. That's remarkable. And that's the same for you and for me. You and I are responsible when it comes to spreading the word, the gospel message. We're responsible to deliver it well, right? And we're responsible to deliver it faithfully. And that's what right here in the beginning, it said a sower went out to sow. As he went sowing, 
right? So he's got the seed. He's ready. He's prepared. He is going out intentionally. This speaks to you and me. Do we go out intentionally into the world? As we go out into the world, do we go out intentionally to sow seed? And I'm going to just say, I think we don't. I think far too often we are distracted by our to-do list. I know I am. And I don't approach going out, leaving my house as an opportunity to sow the word. But right here, I think that's one of the primary things that Jesus is trying to teach. That this sower got ready with his seed and went out with a purpose. And I believe that's what you and I are supposed to do. He then goes on to describe four different kinds of soil that the sower encountered, right? And so the first kind, it says that some of the seed, the good seed, so it wasn't bad seed. All the seed we know was good seed. But some of that good seed landed beside the road, and the birds ate it. And, and some of the seed fell on rocky ground, and it couldn't get a good root. And some of the seed still fell among thorns, and it got choked. But some of the good seed fell on good soil, and it multiplied. So this gives us an opportunity to really do some introspection, to really think. Because it is easy for you and I to think, those of us who have received the good soil and have professed our belief and trust in the atonement of the blood of Christ on Calvary's cross, it's very easy for us to just assume that we don't have any birds threatening us, we don't have any rocks threatening us, there are no thorns threatening us. And I just want to suggest to you that even, even if, It is still easy for these other threats to threaten our ability to produce a crop. Because if we've received it, there ought to be a harvest. We ought to be multiplying. So if we're not doing that, if if there's no multiplication through our lives, through our testimony, through us turning around and casting seed, then we need to back up. We need to back up. And so we see here that he said, uh, there's a few questions that I would just ask, and you can jot these down. What has stolen your faith or what threatened your faith? So it says here in the parable that birds came and ate the good seed. It was just stolen. It was just taken. Have you allowed something, some circumstance, some broken relationship, some loss, some wounding, some hurt to steal away your faith? To steal away parts or portions of the gospel? Secondly, where are you rooted? Where are you rooted? Are you rooted like we read about in Psalm 1 by streams of living water? Or are you trying, are you trying to put roots in the rocks, right? What happens to you when affliction comes? When hard times come? When trials come? When persecution comes, when you're criticized for your faith, what happens? Those can be rocks. Those can be boulders that really inhibit our ability to root, to be rooted. What's choking you? What are the things, if you sit down and take some time, 
What are the things that are choking you, choking your faith? Do you feel your faith threatened by anything in the world? He lists three possibilities here. First, the worries of the world. Look, there are lots of things in the world right now that spur our worry and our fear. Many, many, many things. To many degrees, things are just swirling around us, right? It is very easy to get caught up in all of the chaos. And that can be a threat, something that chokes our faith, something that causes us to doubt. And we need to dare to be honest about what those things are. Right after this, we'll come back and I'll talk about the other two potential threats to choking our faith. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Okay. Talked about the worries of the world. Second thing is the deceitfulness of riches. It is very easy for richness, for prosperity, for abundance to be something that chokes out our faith. And this is why, because we don't need God, right? We can pay our mortgage. We can put food on the table, right? We can travel. We can do whatever we want to do. So we become self-reliant and we forget how much we need God. And instead of seeing the blessings, potential blessings that he's given us in abundance and thanking him and honoring him and sharing those and being generous with others, we just settle in to our own comfort and we become deceived and it chokes out our faith. Thirdly, he says the danger of choking is the desire for other things. And I think it's interesting that it just says the desire for other things. In other words, when we desire anything but him, that's a threat. It's a threat to our faith. If I look at all of these three together, I see all three of these things as distractions. And you know, if you've listened to this podcast for very long, I really think distractions are one of the major tools of the enemy in our time. 
just trying to distract us, just trying to get our eyes off the cross of Calvary, just trying to get our eyes off the skies as we anticipate his return, just trying to get our eyes off following in his footsteps. He is the master at distracting us. And there are so many ways that he does that now. So many ways with all of the screens and all of the devices and all of the activities and all of everything. It just goes on and on and on and on. And what this tells me, again, is the importance of us being singularly focused. And we need to sit down and walk through these questions about what's threatening to steal our faith. Where are we rooted? What do we do in times of affliction? What do we do in times of persecution? And what distractions are threatening the seed growing and multiplying in our hearts? Because that's what matters. That's what matters. And that's the point of the parable of the sower. Where is our heart? How are we receiving the gospel message? Are we receiving it such that we hear it, we accept it, and we bear fruit? Because that's the natural play out if our heart is in the right place. If it's not hard, if it's not rocky, if it's not thorny, if in fact our hearts are good soil, we will accept and we will bear fruit because we won't be able to not bear fruit. I've said this before, and I I say it again here. When we get who Jesus is, when we get who God is, it changes everything. It changes everything. And that is another one of these themes that we see throughout the entire biblical narrative. But certainly here, specifically as Jesus engages with the crowd, with the disciples, with the individuals, we see over and over and over the difference it makes when someone gets who he is. Let's continue on then now. Let's go on to... Let's see. We'll pick up then in verse 21. He says... To them, a lamp is not brought to be put under a basket, or is it put under a bed? Jesus says, look, if you've got a light, you don't bring it in and put it under a basket. Do you? you don't do that. He's basically talking about when Jesus talked in the Sermon on the Mount. So if you go back a couple of chapters in your Bible to chapter 5 of Matthew, Jesus says, picking up in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp, get this, and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men in such a way that they turn in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. He's admonishing the the crowds to put their light on a lampstand. Then if we skip down, he says, take care. Here's the verse in 24, the repeat of what we saw in verse 3. Take care to what you listen to. So in verse 3, he simply says, listen. Listen up. Pay attention. Pay attention. Do I have your attention? You all came here. Do I have, pay attention. He says here in verse 24, take care what you listen to. 
And again, I just want to pause right here because I think this says volumes to us in this day. Jesus is saying to a crowd who doesn't have podcasts or YouTubes or the evening news or the internet, he's telling them before any of that, before the proliferation of a thousand voices vying for your attention at any one moment of the day, at at this point in history, they didn't have any of that. And Jesus says, pay attention to what you're listening to. And I just want to say that admonition from Jesus echoes across the ages. You and I need to pay attention to what we're listening to. And we need to make sure that we're listening to him, to his words, to his truth, to his teaching. That's what we need to be paying attention to. And again, the enemy wants to distract us with all of these other things, and he wants to convince us that they are of utmost importance, that we listen and pay attention to all of these other voices. And it's not true. Those other voices intend to lead us away from his truth. We need to make sure and pay attention to what we're listening to. That is what really matters. Then picking up in verse 26, he says to them, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil and he goes to bed at night and he gets up by the day and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. In other words, Jesus is saying here, look, again, like the sower, he gets good seed, he plants it in good ground, and then he goes to bed. He rests in knowing that he did what he could. You and I must do the same thing. You and I must be faithful to spread the seed of the gospel, good seed. We must be faithful to do that as he gives us opportunities, as we go to be a light, which is what he just talked about, right? And we need to rest in knowing that we did what we could because the miracle of germination is up to him. It's not up to us. That's the miracle. The miracle is that you put a seed in good soil and with water and sunlight, it miraculously sprouts and grows. That's what God's in the business of doing. And you and I can rest in his ability to do that. The next parable he does, there's three in a row here, picking up in verse 30, he says, how shall we picture the kingdom of God? So he's already given us one picture. This is the second picture here. He says, it's like a mustard seed which is sown upon the soil, though it is the smallest of all seeds. Yet when it is sowed, it grows up and becomes larger and can nest and birds can nest under its shade. So here again, Jesus is saying, I'm asking you for a little bit of faith, a little bit of faith. I'm not asking you to try to work up this enormous amount of faith. The issue of faith is a huge issue. How much faith does it take? How much is required of me? What does this look like? Because over and over, one of the things Jesus says to different people he interacts with is, do you believe? Do you believe? Now do you believe? Or he says, your faith has made you well, right? We've already seen that a couple of times. This issue of faith is central to the gospel. 
And Jesus assures those listening right here, how much faith do you need? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. That little bitty seed of faith, when you plant it, it grows and many birds can nest in its branches and find shade. Jesus is saying, just a little bit of faith. Plant your little bit of faith and see what I do with it. I am the faithful grower. I'm the gardener, he's saying. I'm the one who brings the rain and the sun. I'm the one who miraculously takes that little bitty seed of faith and multiplies it. So the question today as we wrap up is, will you and me, will we dare to listen to him? Will we dare to pay attention to our hearts and the thorns and the rocks and the hardness that threaten our faith? Will we dare to put our light on a lampstand? Will we dare? Will we dare to faithfully sow good seed and rest in his ability to bring the harvest? And will we be confident in the fact that we're called to a little seed of faith that he alone can multiply? Thanks for your time today, and may God bless you. Go over and pick up that PDF study guide and dive in to God's Word. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible Curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air. They're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.